Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now the 1-2 from Giolito. Baez lines one down the right field line. That's going to be a fair ball. Bouncing toward the corner. Backhanded by Tilson going for two Baez. The that throw cut off. It's a two-base hit. That's a very good at-bat run. Not only did he end with a double, but he fouled off two very difficult pitches to stay alive. That has to become contagious. We have to be that. Uh, that has to be a, a big part of our game nightly, and that is that's, that comes from within the mind more than anything for me. That's just that mental at-bat that you go up there and you, you work it through. People say grind it out, and you have to do that. When you're, again, when you're facing good pitchers, you, you must – have them get you out in the zone and not outside of the zone. That's how you become elite. That's Joe Madden talking about the Cubs offense, what it was yesterday, what he would like it to be. That was a terrific at-bat from Javier Baez. We've seen a lot of really good two-strike hitting from Javier Baez. And... And a lot of good hitting um, in certain close. I believe he's doing really well in, in tight and and late situations, in close and late situations. I could, I could look it up. Um, or Mike Chan, if you get a chance, feel free in terms of high leverage stuff for Javier Baez. And I think I can tell you why. He knows how they're going to pitch him. You know, I know he's got a lot of home runs late in games. As a high percentage of his home runs have either given the Cubs the lead or tied a game. He knows what he's going to get because of how you used to be able to get him out with those sliders and sinkers low and away. He knows he's going to get them. So he has figured out that his plan needs to be to demolish those things the other way. Hit him very, very hard the other way. And once you've established that you're going to be able to do that, then... You can counter when they adjust because then it becomes cat and mouse and you're in charge because you're like, all right, I'm ready. I'm ready. Go ahead and do this out there. I'm ready. Then if they try to bust you inside on a fastball, you can be quick enough to foul them off. That's what he does now, right? He fouls off those tough pitches now. Or if he sits right on top of it and he knows that you know that he is waiting for that outside stuff, then he knows the fastball's coming, and then he could turn on it and rip it down the line, as he did yesterday in that five-run fifth inning for the Chicago Cubs. Matt Spiegel here with you on Hit and Run on 670, the score. Here are your lineups today. Uh, I'll do what I did yesterday, which I enjoyed. Since we got a crosstown, I'll give you crosstown lineups. Leading off, it'll be Schwarber for the Cubs, Lurie Garcia for the White Sox. Batting second, Baez for the Cubs, Juan Moncada in the two-hole where he belongs for the White Sox. Bryant playing third base. Jose Abreu playing first base. Those are your three hitters. Anthony Rizzo at first. James McCann is your catcher, cleanup hitter, and all-star for the Chicago White Sox. Fifth in the order for the Cubs is Wilson Contreras at the designated hitter, giving Wilson a breather defensively. And also, that means giving Victor Caratini to Kyle Hendricks. 
So, interesting. Contreras is your DH at five. John Jay is your five hitter playing right field for the White Sox. Jason Hayward is the six hitter and right fielder for the Cubs. Six hitter is Eloy Jimenez in left field for the White Sox. Victor Caratini catches, bats seventh. Yolmer Sanchez plays second base and bats seventh and dumps Gatorade on whoever he damn well pleases. Robel Garcia gets another start and will play second base today. Robel Garcia is giving is being given every chance to carry on this hot streak. They found a triple A into the big leagues and play as much as possible. And it makes sense early because you've heard them talk about it. Catch lightning in a bottle. I'll, I'll, I'll talk about that more in a second. So Garcia is your eight hitter playing second base. Charlie Tilson in center field today and is your eight hitter. Albert Almora in center field for the Cubs is your nine hitter. And look at that. DHing. But God, that's Zach Collins's music. Zach Collins is your nine hitter and DHing for the Chicago White Sox. Man, Collins ought to play a lot. He really ought to play and hit a lot. And I know that a lot of people feel that way. I certainly feel that way. If he's going to be up here, make sure the man plays, make sure he gets his chance to adjust to big league pitching. But do not underestimate the value of sitting next to James McCann for Zach Collins. I've I've backed off a little bit on my frustration that Zach's not playing because there's a lot to be learned from James McCann. That dude is is incredible. Um, in fact, I've got a couple sound bites of James McCann that I want to play for you in a, in a moment or two. He was on yesterday on Inside the Clubhouse very early in the show, and maybe you missed it and. You know, there's other stuff going on yesterday during that interview, but I'm just so impressed by McCann. I I spoke to him the other day in the the clubhouse and got to know him a little bit, and he's just so level-headed and smart and curious and willing to share all the knowledge that he has and unafraid to share and be a leader. Really, really impressive stuff. So we'll we'll get to that in one second. But back to Rebel Garcia. Robel Garcia hit 21 homers at AAA as a 26-year-old coming out of the Italian League for the last four years. He's got a lot of swing and miss in his game. You've already seen that, but he also has a lot of power. He hits the ball very hard. And this is the moment. A guy comes up, and opposing teams don't know him. If they don't have tape and or stats from Iowa Cubs games, then they don't have anything on Robel Garcia because he's been in Italy the last four years. So they don't know what to do with him. So he's hitting the ball well. He's hitting the ball hard. It's an unbelievable first start for Garcia with a triple and a home run. Just insane. And so play him, play him, play him until word gets around about him and they might figure out, oh, I can strike you out simply by doing this or whatever it is. But go ahead and play him as much as possible. There are your lineups today for Cubs and Sox and what, amazingly enough, is the final day of the first half of the baseball season. Kyle Hendricks goes for the Cubs, his second start since coming back after the injury. And Ivan Nova, he of the 5.92 ERA, he gets a chance to start for the White Sox here on the final game of their first half. You know, last year, the... uh, the worst pitcher in baseball in terms of ERA over a full season was Lucas Giolito, and he has turned that around tremendously. This year, I believe right now it's Ivan Nova, unless it's still Reynaldo Lopez. It's one of those two. 
So if it is Renato Lopez, just know that that means next year Renato Lopez is going to be brilliant. That's just how it works. It's simple science, folks. It's simple science. All right. Um, let's, I want you to hear from James McCann. Mike Chen, producing back at the shop, has done a tremendous job all day, and I know he's got these uh, ready to go. James McCann was on with me and Bruce Levine yesterday, and I asked him about what has now become the stuff of legend, which is his scouting reports that he puts together on the airplane. And uh, I, I, while he's traveling, I mean, I don't think when he's home, he goes to an airplane and sits there and puts scouting reports together. I don't, I don't think he needs to do that. But anyway, point being... The dude works diligently on his own scouting reports, and it's not just what the clubs give him that he then adjusts. No, he's got his own thing. And Lucas Giolito has said it's been great. He has shared it with some other players. And I wanted to know where that came from, where that started for James McCann. It was probably a year two, year two, two plus um, back in Detroit. Uh, I had uh, Brad Osmus as a manager, and he sat me down and uh, showed me how he used to game plan, how he used to sit down, you know, catching for 18 years in the big leagues. He um, obviously, you know, developed a, a pretty good routine uh, for himself, and uh, he he told me just that. He said, "This is how I did it. You know, do it this way for for a little while, and and then make adjustments to how you like it." And um, that's exactly what I did. You know, so the the format of of the the numbers that I that I use and everything is stuff that uh, I helped, uh, you know, kind of develop over there in Detroit and. Um, you know, it, it's it's a little bit different than uh, than what, what other people may look at, but uh, it's you know one of those things where it's like in a, cra- a crazy Excel sheet, and my eyes know where to, where to go. Um, you know, you look at it, and it, it may look like foreign language, but my eyes know exactly where to go, and it's uh, it's kind of become a habit. And um, you know, so now I I'm able to to teach you know guys like Geo how to look at stuff like that, and and then you know young catchers, and I, I've been working with uh, with Collins on on how he can uh, you know take some stuff from me and, and create his own. Way of, of game planning. So you hear that? So that's why you should not minimize the value of Zach Collins being up and being able to sit next to James McCann and watch him do his work and learn how to be a big league catcher. Catchers develop at very odd times, often later on in their career. Look at, I don't know, Jim McCann. Um, or, you know, lots of guys. It, it, it takes them a little while. And they have to be cerebral and analytical and and learn how to how to figure stuff out and also they have to communicate with a bunch of different pitchers and those are some of the reasons that so many catchers end up as managers relationship wise and communication wise they have to figure it out with a bunch of different kinds of guys and they're always thinking thinking stuff through and at times they're the ones driving the game plan not uh, not the managers not the pitching coach and in this case James McCann I think is driving a lot of the game plan that goes on, especially when he and Giolito pitch. So I asked uh, McCann also yesterday about Dylan Cease because the other day he had told me that uh, when Cease came up, he didn't want Dylan to think about anything except executing his pitches. So no scouting report stuff at all from James McCann for Dylan Cease. Didn't want to show him any of that stuff. Too soon. Just get used to what it's like to be here emotionally, mentally, Right, and uh, and just just execute your pitches and don't worry about the scouting stuff. He had told me though that he was hoping to possibly sit next to Dylan Cease in the dugout that night for the second game of the day night doubleheader. And I asked him whether he'd had a chance to do that or not with Cease. We haven't gone over uh, like scouting report stuff yet. We're we're gonna hold off for let him kind of get his feet wet a little bit longer. Um, but uh, we we talked and we discussed. Uh, 
you know, the usage of his changeup. You know, he hadn't used his changeup that much uh, down in the minor leagues as, as much as he did, uh, you know, the other day um, against Detroit. And, and you saw how it became a big pitch for him throughout the course of that game. So that, that's the kind of Teams little things that – uh, that we discussed was, you know, why did I why did I start throwing, making him throw his changeup more versus you know other pitches, and um, that's something that uh, over the course of his career, as he as he matures, he's going to pick up on and uh, and be able to you know to shake at times and and say, okay, I need to start throwing this pitch more, or I don't need to throw this pitch, whatever it may be. Um, so that's the kind of the kind of info that that I wanted to talk to him about was. Uh, just why I, why, what I saw and why I did what I did as far as game calling. Um, and then as he, as he starts to, to bounce around and, and, and know the league a little bit, uh, that's when we'll sit down and look at some numbers and, and, and kind of teach him the, the game planning element of it. All right, so, so not only is that dude willing to share and wanting to share and thinks it's important to share, he's also smartly waiting and not overloading a Dylan Cease with, with any of that kind of stuff. But, man, White Sox fans, sign the dude up. White Sox management signed the dude up. I, sometimes a player will come along at just the right time, and he will help an organization take a step forward. The kind of game planning and the kind of uh, scouting, the kind of uh, diligent work to set up these scouting reports, an organization should be doing it. And, and James told me the White Sox are doing it. They are doing it, and, and they supply him with, with that stuff. But then he takes it and augments and does his own. If I were the White Sox, I would egolessly look at what James McCann is doing and figure out, can I incorporate some of that into what we do? And in your, your newly emboldened analytics department over these last three years, as Rick Hahn has kind of pushed the organization forward in some ways that needed to be pushed, in your professional scouting department, which still needs to be pushed forward in some ways and is still developing. Don't be afraid to take that information from a player. Don't be afraid to take that guidance from a player. If he happens to come fully formed in this particular aspect, like James McCann is. Brad Osmus knew what he was doing as a catcher. Brad Osmus knows what he's doing as a manager. Some, you know, some success more than others in, in different places, but still. It reminds me of what, what Theo has always said, and, and I think most good leaders will say that the best idea wins. doesn't matter if it's from somebody low on the totem pole or from the big boss himself or whatever. Like, don't worry. The best idea wins. If James McCann's stuff is helpful. Use it. And, uh, and I hope that the White Sox are checking it all out. And, you know, all those stuff is, is kind of fusing together. 670 score is where you are. Matt Spiegel is who you're listening to on Hit and Run. And uh, we're going to come back and hear from, uh, hear from Jake Arrieta and from the man who he would like to uh, put a dent in his skull. I, I was surprised to hear that. But then the man whose skull would be dented if he showed up and, and tussled with Jake, according to Jake, had something to say. We'll hear about that. And I want to talk about Jake and talk about that Cubs clubhouse a little bit as we head towards Cubs pregame at 1235. It's 670 the score. Keep it right here on Hit and Run. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. 
Final segment with you here on Hit and Run on 670 The Score. Man, it's been a really fun morning at the Chai Sox Bar and Grill. And we are leading you up to Cubs pregame with our man Zach Zaidman. And then the final game of the first half for both the Cubs and the White Sox for everybody. This afternoon will be the end of Big League Baseball until after the All-Star break. But the All-Star break should be fun. There's a bunch of things going on, including tonight's Futures game. If you are a fan of uh, watching young players, watching the next big thing, watch the Futures game. Maybe you remember, for some reason, the thing that's been coming to mind, and it's because he's top of mind in this series because of what he means to both franchises and both fan bases. I keep remembering Eloy Jimenez at that Futures game. I think it was in San Diego because the colors sure looked like the old Padres colors making that crazy jumping, diving catch into the left field or into the right field stands. Remember that play that I'm talking about when he was with the Cubs? And, you know, so many of these guys who are playing today for Cubs and Sox were in the Futures game at some point. And MLB has finally done the right thing, and it will be on tonight, 7 o'clock p.m. in pristine isolation. Not in the afternoon against regular Major League games, which is the way they used to do it. And was silly and annoying. Not anymore. But anyway, there was drama yesterday, which apparently has continued a little bit today. I have not heard the second half or the third of the three things we're going to play here. But here's the first thing we'll play. It's last night. It is Jake Arrieta pitching. And the pitch that he's about to throw, folks, is a changeup. But he does throw it to Todd Frazier. And here's what it sounded like last night. This gets Frazier. Not pleased. And this year, he's an all-star as a shortstop. Nelson Barkin between Frazier and Arietta. So there was barking between Frazier and Arietta. Frazier got upset. I think he's been hit a few times by Phillies pitchers, right? Um, you know, Frazier was crazy upset. He walked up and... Try to say something to Arietta and Frazier's a feisty dude. He's also, um, Frazier's disliked a lot more than I realized, you know? When the whole thing came out with Frazier and Adam Eaton a few weeks ago, and it kind of relit conversations about that locker room and all that stuff, I, I talked to a bunch of people and found out some things about Frazier that I, I hadn't, hadn't realized, frankly. And I'll say this, that a lot of people who covered Todd Frazier, knew Todd Frazier, somebody who played with Todd Frazier, thought he was a big old phony. That's the word I kept hearing, phony. And say what you want about Adam Eaton, Sparky, Spanky. He could have been Sparky, but he was Spanky. Say what you want about Adam Eaton, weirdo. I don't think he's like a phony weirdo or like a phony little energetic, you know, pipsqueak weird guy. I don't think he's phony, though. I think he's just kind of what he is, and he can be annoying, and he knows he can be annoying, and he's just that guy. Frazier, uh, on the other hand, widely regarded, apparently, as a phony. Who knew? Who knew? Sometimes you learn things, and then you share them with the listeners. Anyway, this is Arietta. After the game, was, uh, was asked about uh, Todd Frazier because uh, Frazier was not happy. This is what Jake had to say. A little bit, especially with change-ups, but, <clears throat> you know, Frazier's not happy about it. He can come see me. And I'll, I'll put a dent in his skull. I'll put a dent in his skull. Now, here's the thing. If you're talking about being on the mound and putting a dent in somebody's skull, not cool. Not cool. Not necessary. 
but he's saying, come see me. So I assume the skull dent would be the result of a punch at that point or an elbow or just like a, a, a press, like you put him in a hold, put him in like a Nolan Ryan, Robin Ventura kind of sleeper hold, and then you get, get the noogies. You could noogie a dent into his skull perhaps. I'm not sure what Jake's exact plans were. I can't, I can't speak for Jake's entire plans. But as long as he's not talking about throwing a ball at his head uh, on, on the field, then, you know, all right. So feisty Jake. And then Todd Frazier heard about that. Now, I haven't heard this, Mike Chen. This is from today. Todd Frazier pregame. You have a chance to respond to Jake Arrieta. Is that true? Let's check it out. Yeah, I mean, he can say what he wants. Um, you know, I'm just sick of getting hit, especially by this team. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, like I said, he can say what he wants. Uh, a little overboard, but, uh, you know, just got to keep playing. Glad we won the game yesterday. And, uh, you know, hopefully some things change. Uh, got hit four times now, and, uh, you know, enough's enough. So he's got hit in four times. He's got hit four times by the Phillies. All right, pretty mild from Todd Frazier there. Uh, a little overboard. <laughs> Jake Arrieta went a little overboard. I suppose he did. I suppose that's true. Talk about denting a dude's skull. Jake's, um, Jake's been grumpy. You know why Jake's been grumpy? A couple of reasons. One, probably the 4.57 ERA. For Jake, he's had a bad year after, uh, after an up-and-down year last year. And now we get word there are bone spurs in the elbow for Jake Arietta. He's got bone spurs in the elbow. Perhaps that's been a part of the issue. Struggled with control, especially on the changeup, as he was mentioning there before he talked about the skull dentage. And we'll see what happens with Jake Arietta, but that's an injury, and that's a bad year so far for Jake. There's been a lot of Cub fans, um, even just this morning, a lot of fans saying, boy, I miss the fire of Jake Arietta. Miss that. And I, and I understand what you're talking about, personalities and stuff like that. Um, but, but understand that Jake Arietta was going to be done, and his contract was up here, and that's just the way it was going to be. A lot of people still last year said it. Even this morning, I saw it. Right before 0.57 ERA. I'd rather have Jake Arrieta than you, Darvish. Last year, yes. Last year would have been would have been better to have Jake than you, Darvish. That's for sure. But you know, they always thought that Jake's delivery and Jake's physicality was not going to last too much longer into his career because when he had reverted to being himself after some poor management in Baltimore. He became a guy who then threw in a way that they figured was going to have his arm decay, have his stuff decay a little bit. So that's why they moved on from Jake. And now here we are in the middle of his second year and the 4-5-7 ERA and it's bone spurs in the elbow. So wishing Jake Gary out of the best, but I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't waste your energy pining for Jake Arrieta uh, in, in this okay here's here's the thing about this this Cubs group right now and, and I've been wondering with the games here whether we were going to see anything with feisty energy because the, when the games are here things have gotten feisty this is where Barrett and Brzezinski happened this is where Carlos Zambrano got in Derek Lee's face in the dugout remember that Zambrano got in Derek Lee's face, and Bob Brenly was on the air saying 
saying, you know what? This team, this has been a dead ass team. I'm, I'm glad to see somebody getting in somebody's face. So at the time, Brenly was of the belief that they needed it. Zambrano getting in Derek Lee's face. They've, they've looked like a bunch that needs that pissed off energy. Joe gave it to them the other day. Joe gave it to them the other day in Pittsburgh when he got thrown out of the game and went up against Ray Searage, Clint Hurdle, and the Pirates for throwing high and tight. So Joe gave them that energy, and they appreciated it. Wilson Contreras fed off of it. He said so. I fed off of his fire, said Wilson Contreras. This team needs that pissed-off energy right now because the stable, consistent mindfulness has not been enough. They need another gear. They need another mode. They need a human fire starter. I'm your fire starter. You're just fire starter. They need that. I mentioned some of this to, uh, to Bruce Levine yesterday. David Ross had this reputation as a cheerful guy. And he is a cheerful guy. He's a delightful, very, very nice man. But as a teammate, as a guy in a clubhouse, he was also authoritative as hell. Magnetic, no matter what the emotion was. It was just like, whoop, that dude is, is electric. And when he would lay into his teammates about playing sloppy or about what they had to do, people listened. They just listen. They could use that kind of guy in the clubhouse again. Thanks to everybody for all the help with Hit and Run today. Mike Chen, great job back at the shop. Thank you to Rich Wyatt here as the engineer. Thank you to Shane Reardon. Thank you to Matt and Greg in promotions. Thank you to Ron for putting everything together. Thanks to everybody here at the Chai Sox Bar and Grill. Thank you to my guests, Aaron Bummer, Steve Stone, and Ron Kittle. Have a wonderful day, everybody. Enjoy the final ball game of the first half, and I'll be back with you next week on Hit and Run right here on 670 The Score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.